Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. My name is Tori Barker, a digital marketing specialist, business owner, mom, and you guessed it, a creative visionary. This podcast is about inspiring business owners, building connections, sharing success stories, and motivating others. Join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us again on the Creative Visionaries podcast. Today, I have a very exciting guest, Carly Case. Carly is a marketing and growth expert for B2B SaaS companies and is the founder and CEO of RevSpark, an agency that helps B2B SaaS and service companies scale with conversion content. She is known as an online conversion expert and is currently working on her first book due to be published early 2023. Carly, welcome on the show. Thanks so much, Tori. I'm really excited to be here. So tell us a little bit more about you and tell us about uh, RevSpark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I've actually been in marketing for over 20 years at this point. Before I even knew it was marketing, uh, way back in the day in 2001, I started building websites um, just because the internet was so new and it was just something fun to do. Um, And my first website that I built was actually a a My Little Pony flipping site. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Way back in the day. Just and that was my first taste of being an online entrepreneur. Um, and I started building websites for other people um, after that and eventually worked in B2, B2C marketing um, and then switched over to B2B in 2014 and started working in uh, B2B SaaS the next year and really dove into growth marketing and sales enablement. So for the last um, seven years, that's really been where I've focused. And I've worked with a lot of companies early stage to get them to first their their first million in, in ARR uh, and their annual recurring revenue and beyond. And so really, that's uh, a lot of my expertise is taking companies uh, from kind of zero to that stage. Uh, and then eventually last year, I, I founded my own business to really provide that outside help for companies that are wanting to scale that maybe don't yet have a marketing lead in place that really need outsourced marketing help. But we don't just focus on marketing, not just the front end. It is content and copywriting to create that customer journey from completely cold to prospect, to lead, to opportunity, to closed customer, and then to expanded accounts. So even customer success kind of content. So it's all the way through to make sure all the touch points in that buyer's journey are very consistent so the prospect has the same experience with your company, no matter where they are in the funnel. Yeah, that's so important. You know, uh, somebody mentioned to me something the other day about branding, and it ties into like this full circle client journey. And they're talking about branding as like, if I was to print out a copy of your uh, email marketing of your business card of your brochures of your website, would it all look consistent? But it all has the same look and feel. Not the same thing with content, like whatever, whatever part of the journey or part of the funnel or whatever it is that you want to call it, whatever part you're in, is that consistent from (laughs) from start to finish. And so it's so important to have that that content consistency and and just, I, yeah, can't agree more. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. And a lot of uh, companies, especially in the SaaS world, there's a lot of talk about misalignment between uh, sales and marketing, where the marketing message that people have received on the front end, as soon as the sales team takes over, all of a sudden, it's a very different experience. And so what we do is we ensure that that experience is seamless for everybody who's who's encountering your company and your brand, especially as we're entering this, this phase of um, consumers really wanting to self-serve from a, a company's website, download the product, use it, try it out in a freemium kind of version. Uh, yeah. Having that very consistent experience is absolutely key because that will create raving fans for your product, people who actually pay money on the back end versus people who just download it, never use it, throw it away. So we really want to create that. Awesome. And so you mentioned a couple of times SaaS uh, companies. So for those who don't know, can you explain what a SaaS uh, company is? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's software as a service. It, um, technically, the first SaaS company out there was was Salesforce, which is now a, a mega, mega, a huge CRM um, company out there. And so it's software that lives in the cloud. Um, I'm sure all of us uh, are very familiar and use SaaS software every day. I mean, Zoom is one. Yeah. Um, Even if we Zoom don't know it, we're using it. <laughs> you are using it for sure. It drives every, so much of what we do nowadays. And so uh, really technology, that is uh, our specialty, uh, as well as uh, B2B services businesses. Yeah. And how did you get into SaaS as kind of a, a niche company market for you? Yeah, I, it's, I kind of fell into it. It was, um, it it just was the timing and I was just uh, applying to jobs and I did have a very, um, a, a very big uh, B2C background, um, but I had been running uh, websites for a while. And so um, it just so happened that there was a uh, job open uh, at a SaaS company locally that uh, was looking for someone to uh, run their, all of their marketing, including their website. Um, so it, was the timing. And it, I found that uh, I just really love it. I've always been kind of a, a tech junkie. Um, so I really enjoyed uh, being able to figure out how to how to convey value for something that maybe isn't tangible. Um, yeah. and software is something that isn't exactly tangible. So the marketing and the messaging, the positioning mm. and the uh, total value outcome that a company receives, that's really key to bring into everything. And I yeah. that's what I really love. It is a challenge and uh, services B2B services, very similar, non-tangible, really have to convey um, value of outcome. And so that's what I really love conveying the non-tangible through yeah. uh, what I do. That's amazing. I love that. So in, in one of your kind of superpowers, you talk about this conversion content. So can you talk specifically and kind of explain what is conversion content? I know we've talked a little bit about it, like having the right messaging, but is there something specific that your that makes your content conversion higher? Or can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what kind of has happened in the evolution of, of growth marketing over the last 20 years or so has been this understanding of, okay, if we want to rank on Google, we need to be able to put a lot of content out there to get traffic, right? We have to game those, those search engine results, right? And so there've been a lot of companies that help you generate um, very large amounts of articles in order to create backlinks, to create that traffic to your website. Right. The problem is in the in the last five to seven years or so, companies are beginning to realize that even though they're getting traffic to their website, they're not doing anything. The traffic yeah. is bouncing out because they're seeing this sort of top level, vague, generic article that's been put out there by by non-experts. And it's it's like 
if you think about maybe um, let's say you want to buy a car and you're you're looking at maybe maybe Honda uh, and you think, OK, I want to buy a Honda Civic um, and you're Googling things. The one article you might find is what is a car? And that's kind of <laughs> this example of this high level content that's just very basic. It doesn't really answer your your needs and your questions and your pain points. And yes, you might eventually click on over to a website, but yeah. if you don't see what it is that you need, anything that addresses your pain points, you're going to bounce right out of there. And so all of that work to create all that traffic is lost yeah. because they're not getting captured when they come into your digital properties, website, landing page, mm -hmm. they click on an ad, the experience sometimes falls apart. And you can see these websites with these high bounce rates. You have all this digital traffic coming in and then it goes. So yeah. what we really specialize in is harnessing traffic, getting it to the website in the first place. Yes, we do that. But we specialize in creating articles and content that are really answering those pain points. So uh, again, like say a VP of marketing is looking for a, tech, for a technology software. Maybe they're, they're really interested in a marketing automation platform that could replace HubSpot, for instance. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to be Googling what is a marketing automation platform. That kind of. We're already that past kind of, that. Yeah. That's a, we're way past that. It's more like, um, you know, what are the operational costs of owning HubSpot and how can I reduce operational load on my team? Like yeah. that is a much more specific pain point that a VP of marketing might have because mm -hmm. they'd want to know dollar for dollar value. Why is Pardot better? Or why is, you know, drip better uh, mm -hmm. than HubSpot? And so you really need to get down to um, competitive product comparison and very specific pain points. And so this is what where we really specialize in, in capturing those pain points from your target market and reflecting them in your website, your landing pages, your ads to make sure that all of that search intent is captured. And then they're converted into a subscriber, someone who clicks the get demo now button or mm -hmm. talk to sales, we really want them to take the next step. So that's why we specialize in conversion content, which converts them to the next step in that buyer journey, whatever that may be. And so I'm assuming to, in order to find out the right messaging, you have to do some sort of research, right? So there's gotta be like data research, uh, demographic research. What is it that you do to find the information that you know is gonna resonate for your clients? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be those long tail search queries. Uh, what are what's bringing people to your website as well as competitor websites? What's mm -hmm. what's out there? Um, talking to people who are in the industry, who are in the sort of the same uh, target market that you're trying to trying to reach, and really trying to distill their pain points and their questions, um, as well as talking to your team internally, people on the front line who are like salespeople or the customer success people. Who, are, who know those questions that are always in these people's minds that right. they're fielding on a day-to-day -day basis and making sure bringing that loop back together into what is out there for your company. Yeah, there's a, a tool that I've uh, used and, and have heard other people use is Quora.com. Yep. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah so yeah. using Quora to find those key terms or search you know queries to identify for SEO purposes and content marketing, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a very powerful tool. And honestly, I'm on it every day. And um, <laughs> but I'm often down a rabbit hole reading uh, something, oh, something yes. crazy about the evolution of carrots or something, oh, yeah. crazy like that. <laughs> something random. You're like, wait, where did the time go? It's been an hour. Oh, man. <laughs> well, and it's funny because you mentioned 
um, having content, but not the right content is bringing traffic to your website. That made me think about like on my end, I do a lot of um, online advertising and retargeting. And so just thinking about, yes, we're getting traffic to our website, but they're not the right people. And then we're doing retargeting ads to market to the people that aren't the right people. So it's like, you need to have all of these pieces working together. So like you said, you have people who are coming to your website that have the right intention, that are the right audience. So then all the other pieces of marketing tie in together, the online advertising, the, the retargeting, and, and just everything comes together and then just becomes much more powerful and successful in the long run when you have the key messaging on target so that everything else can work hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you have to keep in mind as well that the people and traffic that you're capturing online who you're getting the traffic from, they might be at different stages in that buyer journey. They might be completely cold or they might be way down the line almost ready to talk to talk to sales. So I'm a big fan of creating multiple buyers journeys, uh, multiple entry points to a website and multiple uh, versions of your messaging to Mm -hmm. gently nudge them down that path and make sure that there's always a next step for them to take that we're converting them to so that we can look at intent and really make sure we're delivering the right message, right time. And getting them to uh, talk to sales or sign up something that's appropriate for their their level of intent and mm. not really forcing them to to talk to a salesperson go through a qualification process if do things that create a lot of friction because yeah. nowadays everybody just wants what they want right now they don't want to have to go through this whole thing so it's really key that we allow our um our design uh, our websites and uh, the content we're putting out there to provide options That's really key. Yeah, definitely. And so when you are creating this content, how do you track uh, the content marketing efforts? Because I know that's a big thing for all CEOs, leaders, business owners, knowing the traffic and the analytics um, or how to track and measure your return on investment. So what do you what do you guys use? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So there's Google Analytics 4, which is super powerful. Um, there's things like Mixpanel, Dream Data, things like mm. that, different tools. Uh, we're happy to use whatever um, whatever the company is using that we're working with. But really, it comes down to conversion percentage. Um, so we are interested in, of course, um, the views and likes. That's, that's important. The visits, all of that. Um, if a company is looking really just for brand awareness, we might stop it there and say, okay, you know, we're able to increase views by X or, you know, get this number of likes or engagements. Um, if they're looking for sales, which usually they are, <laughs> uh, we start um, we start uh, developing numbers that in, that show the conversion percentage to the next stage and then ultimate conversion percentage to uh, creation of opportunity, creation of uh, closed one business. And that is where we're looking at because we are looking at that full funnel. We're also looking at uh, customer to maybe upgraded customer or extra hmm. features that are added yeah. on. Uh, so the businesses we're working with are going to have a pretty robust CRM in place mm-hmm. where we can actually look at the analytics in there um, and then look at the numbers so that we can uh, show an actual lift over uh, what was there before. Yeah, I love a good CRM. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so techy, like tech nerd, you know, I'm like, oh, a CRM system. Which one are you using? <laughs> 
I know. Yeah. Don't get me started about CRMs. I've implemented a lot. I've cleaned up a lot um, because really a lot of companies don't, um, they think it, they think their CRM is fine, but then they're like, oh, we can't really get any data out. We can't figure what people are doing at different stages. And it's like, it's not fine. We need to work on really reconfiguring this. So it reflects your unique business and make sure that it also reflects the way your buyers want to buy and reflects, of course, the marketing funnel. Uh, I can't tell you how many CRMs I've seen that actually don't have marketing stages built in because they think, oh, it's a sales tool. Let's not build marketing. And it's like, well, marketing is full funnel. Like you have to have the marketing stuff in as well. Like you have to know how many leads are you generating? How many, uh, how many sales accepted leads, how many sales qualified leads, like all that stuff has to be there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, really bringing it marketing in is key. What's your favorite CRM? Oh man, Salesforce. Really? <laughs> yeah, I I am so old school because that's the one that I learned on and that's the one I've reconfigured a ton of times. There's some really great down market CRMs that are very robust and um, really can do the job of a Salesforce. Uh, HubSpot is really trying in the CRM space, but I always feel really frustrated because it doesn't have the level of control that I want from an admin yeah. perspective. Yeah, it, it mostly gets there, but HubSpot is really an inbound marketing tool. And so for companies that do outbound sales, um, lead generation through sales, yeah. I find that HubSpot has some limitations. So um, I'm always hesitant about HubSpot. If I hear that a business's go-to-market strategy is very sales driven, it's like, well, HubSpot may not be the best bet uh, yeah. and it can get really expensive really quick. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's like a whole nother podcast talking about CRMs. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talking about um, B2B businesses, do you have like a favorite growth hack for B2B businesses or anything you can share on that end? Yeah, I'm probably going to surprise a lot of people and I'm going to say Facebook. Oh, <gasps> shock, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, The thing is, I find that with B2B businesses, uh, buyers are, of course, they want to do business on LinkedIn. That is a business platform. You know, as a company, you need to be there. You need to be present. You need to be posting content on LinkedIn. You need to really have your LinkedIn game down. The thing is, uh, a lot of buyers, B2B buyers, they do spend time on LinkedIn, but they spend about one tenth of the time that they spend on Facebook on LinkedIn. So if you really want to capture them when they are not thinking about business, when you want to capture them where they're spending the majority of their time, Facebook is a great place to be running ads to direct them to sign up for, say, your LinkedIn webinar um, or uh, read an article that you've posted on LinkedIn because people are, first of all, you're not competing with all of the other businesses out there on on LinkedIn because that is a very expensive platform to advertise on. There's a ton of B2B businesses there. Uh, so Facebook, there are not. So it's a great way to cut through the noise, get attention. It's kind of surprising when you see a B2B ad on on uh, Facebook. Facebook. Um, but it's a great way to direct people back to LinkedIn where they feel comfortable signing up for that webinar or reading your LinkedIn article. Uh, getting them to convert on LinkedIn is so much easier than conversions on Facebook. So I find that brand awareness on Facebook is for B2B businesses actually works incredibly well just because of how most businesses treat Facebook. They treat yeah. it as, you know, not really a viable uh, channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
that's what I'd recommend. If you're having some trouble with LinkedIn ads and you're having trouble with cutting through the noise and the spend is just going mm -hmm. insane, try Facebook. See if you can target your people because they have some crazy targeting methods on Facebook and you can get really granular. It's very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can really get down there and you can capture your audience while on Facebook and get them over on LinkedIn when they feel most comfortable. But you can capture them, capture their attention and stand out on a platform where not a lot of other people are. Hmm. So I was a little f afraid when you said Facebook, right? Cause I'm a B2B girl <laughs> too. And so I'm like, LinkedIn is totally where the B2B world is. But I love your point because that's so true. And especially if you're tying the two together, right? Like you're utilizing the Facebook platform to, to lead them back to the LinkedIn platform or to lead them to, you know, a, a point where they're in the business mindset, right? Because on social media, a lot of times it's, it's casual time, social downtime, whatever it might be. And when they're in business mode, they're on LinkedIn. But you're right that they spend more time on Facebook. So brand exposure and redirecting is a huge, huge hack. So I love that. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. So once everyone starts doing that in three months, it'll be dead. So yeah, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so start now. <laughs> start start now. Um, you know, and, and obviously don't go buying Facebook ads right ahead of a huge holiday or huge, um, you know, any kind of like election or anything like that because yeah. the, you know the money will just go out the window then. Right. But it is it, you want to be where people not only are but are paying attention True. i think that's key and a lot of people do the endless scroll on facebook much more than they do the endless scroll on linkedin true so yeah very true okay so let's segue because i want to talk a little bit about being a woman business owner female business owner however you want to call it so I, I love speaking to other uh, women who own their own business. And so I, I'd love to just kind of get your, your feedback and your, your intake on being a woman business owner, what struggles, successes, goals, what are your dreams? Um, how did you get to this point to becoming a business owner? Yeah, I, I've always had this entrepreneurial drive to kind of do my own thing and really work with a lot of companies uh, rather than just one. So I've definitely had that need, you know, as we all know, as entrepreneurs, like it's this fire inside of you that you you cannot put out and you have to speak to at some point and say, you know what, I have to do this. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the biggest issue was really seeing myself as a CEO because my whole life, I had this image of a CEO as just like this middle-aged guy in a suit. And so <laughs> like, it was just very ingrained. And yeah. so when I found my own business, uh, originally I thought I, I can't do it m myself. Like I, I just, I, I don't have the experience. I can't do it. Yeah. So I went in with a partner. I founded the business originally as, um, as a partnership because I was so convinced that I couldn't do it myself because there's no guy in a suit. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then eventually, um, my partner and I, we decided to go our separate ways. We had different visions for the business. Um, so um, sh she went her separate way. And then I had to relaunch the business as a uh, rev spark in January, 2021, uh, or I'm sorry, January, 2022. So it has been a journey, certainly, but still in my head was this idea that if I'm not a guy in a suit, middle-aged guy in a suit, <laughs> I can't be a CEO. I felt at, at, at any point someone's going to just call me out or yeah. 
just point at me and say, you know, so where's the guy in the suit behind you who's yeah. actually running the whole thing? Um, I had a lot of problems calling myself a CEO until it, it, finally I just realized, you know, if I say I'm the CEO, I am. Yeah. I said it. So what? And I had to really develop that um, sort of chin out, like, so what? You got a problem with it? Kind of yeah. attitude, <laughs> as in I say it and therefore I am. I write right. it and therefore it is. Um, and really, really make it uh, legitimized through repeating it over and over um, and being visible. Mm -hmm. um, having it visible, having it in my LinkedIn, having it all over my website, uh, just introducing myself that way. And people believed it. And I was always thinking in the back of my head, but there's no guy in a suit behind me. Like, you know, don't you know? <laughs> so it was seeing myself as female and as a CEO um, and yeah, I have a suit, but I don't wear it very often. I wear a blazer. Um, <laughs> but really embracing that identity and being okay mm -hmm. with it not being the uh, image that I'd had in my head so long for as a CEO and yeah. just being like, I say it and I am. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Women, for some reason, we have this imposter syndrome, right? Where we feel like, like you said, we're not that the guy in the suit, right? We can't be the CEO, but I think more recently, and as I, I talk to more women who own their own business, we're empowering each other, I think, right? Mm -hmm. We're giving ourselves permission to, yeah, I am, you know, the owner, I'm the founder, I'm the CEO, like, this is me, and I can do it. <laughs> so it's like, I love talking to other women, because we're all in this, like, you know, I want to help you grow. How can I help you? Let's be successful together. Because I think for, you know, the generations to come, um, it's going to be so important. And then, you know, probably children, you know, I have, I have two boys, but you know, if I had a daughter, it would be like, you know, when she becomes a, um, a, an adult and it wouldn't be a question that she could be a CEO or not. Right. So it's like, I wanted to get to that point where it's never been, a whether I can or I can't, it's just, I am right. <laughs> so I love, I love talking to other women, business owners and, you know, helping, you know, cheer each other on and help us grow and succeed together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, um, really growing up, there were no women that I knew who were CEOs and running their own business uh, successfully. They didn't exist in my world. I never saw them. It was always a guy in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I was spending a ton of time with businesses when I was 10 or 15 or whatever, but, but it's the just, image. It, yeah. The image was really strong because I just didn't have those people in my life. Those, mm -hmm. those weren't um, in my parents circle of friends. And so I never had this, uh, this understanding that a woman can run a successful business and call herself a C-level title yeah. and it be okay. It just didn't seem, it just didn't exist in my world. And so um, the idea of it being okay just wasn't there. And so I agree it, it, at this point, it's just, it's much more common than it was before, but it would be nice to live in a world where it isn't even questioned. We're not even running numbers on how many female CEOs versus male, where it's not even an issue anymore, where we have to point it out. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I can't agree more. <laughs> Um, okay, so 
one of the other things that I think is huge, not only being a female business owner, successful B2B SaaS companies that you're working with, but I think another huge accomplishment that we mentioned at the beginning is um, that you're writing a book. So tell me about the book that you're writing. Yeah, yeah. It's been a a long time in progress, Um, been somewhat delayed by the pandemic and everything, Uh, but it is a collection of interviews with uh, leaders and founders of SaaS businesses about their growth journey. Uh, because what I was really interested in is, um, you know, with when it comes to cloud software, um, I mean, there's there's over 700,000 options now. Um, and even if you're just talking about, say, MarTech, there's over 200,000 options in, in marketing technology software. Yeah. So the question is, well, how do you create a successful business in this incredibly competitive landscape? How do you make it? Really, how what do you do that's different than everybody else, and how do you how do you succeed? And so, really, it's a it's focused interviews. Uh, it is called Startup Scale Up, uh, and it is focused interviews with these uh, founders and leaders who took their company from zero to their first hundred k ARR. Uh, and really, what did they do different from other competitors that led to their success? And all of these conversations are really amazing because I start hearing patterns over and over about what leads to a successful software business or technology mm-hmm. business. And it's just, I can't wait to share it with everyone out there because really that's, these are the keys to success. These are the secrets to growing a company to over 100K ARR, which is a pretty pretty solid milestone for uh, saying that you're no longer a startup. You're kind of in the scale up phase now. Yeah. And I think with the, the growth and the popularity of SaaS companies, I think this is going to be very timely (laughs) because it seems like there's more and more SaaS companies that are coming out. And, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, your book should be uh, available. So um, we'll have to put a link in the show notes so people can, can check it out and order a book. But I think that it's going to be helpful for those SaaS companies who are in that startup phase, right, and getting to that next level in growth. And the the experience and the conversations that you're sharing are going to help them get there just that much faster. So I for love sure. that. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a great source of really good business advice because uh, a lot of these founders um, are were first-time founders. Uh, so they learned how to run a company by being on the ground and running it really. Um, And so I think just there's some general great business advice for uh, success in business, um, getting to that first milestone, you have a base of customers and you have a product or service that is needed in the world. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to read it. I'm excited. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So as we wrap up, I want to see, um, have you give some like words of wisdom, some tips or advice for, you know, SaaS companies, women business owners, or favorite quote you pick? Wow, there's a lot to pick from. No pressure. No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give my um, my best piece of advice for uh, creating uh, content out there. Um, it's something I'm very passionate about. And I want to uh, really impress on everybody. It's, it's key to create content that is valuable and don't just create a lot of content because that's kind of what you feel you might have to do. So the key is creating content that is valuable to your audience and your customers and ideally not giving yourself a whole lot of extra work. 
So I very much advise creating one piece of source content and then using that to create multiple, and I I mean like 10 to 15 and even more pieces of content that are created from that one large source content file. I would recommend everyone start thinking about your content is what can I do once and then repurpose in, in other ways, whether it's like a quote snippet or a shorter video cut of a longer video, a blog post from a podcast episode, et cetera, and start creating that content repurposing SOP, your Mm. standard operating procedure for every time we do a podcast episode, we're going to create these 15 pieces of content. Um, I'm sure, Tori, you already have yours, but a lot of businesses (laughs) haven't really thought that through and they get on this sort of treadmill of having to create more and, oh, we have to be on social media, so we've got to do this and we've got to do that. So I I think really key is is, uh, reducing the load internally by creating, this is what we always do. These are these like 10 steps that we always do when we do this one thing. And then you can hand it off to a VA, an assistant, someone junior on your team uh, to execute on. And you can get so much content created from a single piece Mm. that you can really lighten the load of content creation and and you can breathe a sigh of of relief because you've now given yourself a month's worth of content from just just one, just one thing that you do. So I'd recommend all businesses start thinking that way so that they can generate a lot of content from a single piece. And we actually have a uh, become a content machine, the conversion content system, uh, this PDF that kind of walks you through the step-by-step of doing that available to all your listeners as a free gift. You can go to our website. It's revspark.com, R-E-V-V-S-P-A-R-K.com and forward slash creative visionaries with a hyphen in between. And there will be that uh, PDF for you that walks you through how to do that so that you can much easily create a lot of content uh, without it being a headache. You know, that is a phenomenal advice because you're so right. (laughs) There's so much that one piece of content can be turned into 10, 15 more I mean, just leveraging what you already have. So thank you for that, you know, nugget of information. And if you haven't written that down, if you didn't write that website down, I'm going to put it in the show notes so you guys can download that because it's going to be huge. I think that a lot of people, business owners, whoever you, whoever the listeners are can take advantage of that uh, opportunity and that great advice. So Carly, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Um, is there a special platform, social media platform that you like uh, people to visit? Um, just give us uh, some information on how people can get connected with you. Yeah, sure. You could always uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I am there most of the time, <laughs> except when I'm targeting people on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can also find me at my web, my my website, revspark.com. Uh, like I said, it's R-E with a double V, uh, S-P-A-R-K.com. Uh, you can always find me there. I'm available and always, always here to help uh, with content, copywriting, getting the message across full funnel to your audience. Love that. Thank you so much for being a guest. I'm, I'm excited. I got to meet you and, and happy that we can share this amazing content. Thanks so much, Dory. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, or share with a friend. Also, make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.